Sales Tuners, Episode 91, Andrea Waltz, co-author of Go For No. I tell people, just start practicing in everyday life. If you're checking into a hotel, why don't you ask for an upgrade to a suite? This is Sales Tuners with Jim Brown, the only weekly show where we talk about the attitude, action, and ability that gets sales reps and entrepreneurs to grow their revenue from $1 million to more than $10 million in just two years. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the building, everybody hands go up. It's time. It's time. It's Sales Tuners time. I'm Jim Brown, your host, and our weekly inspiration comes from Henry Cloud, who said, our opinions and thoughts mean very little if there is nothing we disagree with. Everyone loves to hear the word yes. It's so positive and so empowering. And then there's no. For most people, no is just the opposite. It's negative, draining, a small two-letter word that has so much power to literally stop people dead in their tracks. But my guest today thinks everyone is wrong. She believes if you can change the way you think, you can change your life. Author of the book Go For No, Andrea Waltz walks the talk in her efforts to reprogram the way you think about the word no. Before we dive in, I want to ask a favor. It's been a while, but I want you to know the best way you can support this show is by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I was just looking at the reviews today, and the last one we got was over three months ago. So... For the next 10 people that leave a review, I will send you a Sales Tuners t-shirt as my thank you. And I've made the process super simple. Just go to salestuners.com slash review and we'll walk you through step by step. All right, make sure you stick around until the end where I'll give my recap and top takeaways. You can also check out all the links and show notes at salestuners.com slash 91. But now let's get to the conversation where Andrea talks about the fear of rejection and the need to reprogram the way you think. Well, I'm super passionate about people not letting no stop them from achieving their sales goals, quotas, uh, income dreams, personal dreams. And I think so often people allow their fear of rejection to stop them. And so what they do is they don't ask. They just make assumptions. They assume they're going to be told no. And so they don't move forward. And that makes me so sad. <laughs> I just, it's it's just terrible because it's one thing to ask and get rejected and say, okay, I, I tried and it didn't happen, but it's a whole other thing to tell yourself no and, and not get what you want. So I'm super passionate about just helping people reprogram the way they think and feel about failure and rejection in order to achieve whatever it is they want. Well, we're going to start jumping into that right away. But first, I want to stay personal just a little bit. I understand in a previous conversation, you told me you and your husband drove across the country 1,200 miles in 44 days, and you only drove one time during that stint and got pulled over by the police. I got to hear more about this. Well, yes. And guess what? It was 12,000 miles. 12,000? My goodness, not 1,200. 12,000 miles. 12,000 miles. Yes. We actually made a documentary movie um, back when the flip video cameras came out. This was like 2008, 2009. Um, We wanted to make our own documentary movie where we interviewed people. Kind of like this is back in the days where The Secret was really popular and that, that movie came out, the book came out, the movie came out. And so we said, well, let's do the same thing. Uh, on a very, very low budget, and we'll interview people about how they um, haven't stopped at the word no. So we did that, and that turned out to be, we left um, Washington State and drove 
across the entire country, um, over the East Coast, down to Florida, back through the West Coast, Texas, California, and then back up. And when we were coming back up, it was pretty much the end of the trip. I think we we had probably about 800 miles to go. Um, my husband, Richard, had driven the entire time, and I was basically the navigator. And finally, he was so exhausted, he said, well, can you just drive this little piece? And I said, yeah, absolutely, no problem. So he falls asleep within like 15 minutes, and I'm cruising down this long hill in Northern California, and I get pulled over by the police. Now, I, I got to ask, did you use the go for no concept in any capacity with the police officer to get out of the ticket? I did. And I did get out of the ticket. You're kidding me. What, how, kidding. what was the uh, what was the speed? What were you going uh, over? Well, you know, I don't actually even remember the the problem was, see, we weren't from that community. And it was one of these long hills that just kind of you know, gets, gets, uh, your car just goes faster and faster and you're really not paying attention. And it was one of these, I'm sure everyone who lives there knows, like, don't speed on that long portion of, of the hill. And so I, I wasn't even paying attention. I didn't even realize I was speeding. I was probably, um, I don't even know if he told me anymore. And I said, Oh, I'm so sorry. We, we were on this driving trip and blah, blah, blah. And explained it all. He said, well, I'm going to let you off with a warning. Now here's the other funny part of this, Jim, is my husband was so distraught. Like he couldn't believe that I managed to get pulled over by the police in my one little driving attempt that he was like, that's it. I'm taking over. I'm taking back over. And I was like, fine. And so he gets in the car and starts driving. And then this is California, of course, later on about probably a hundred miles, he got pulled over by the cops. That's incredible. Did not get out of the ticket. (laughs) That is so much fun. That's so much fun. Andrea, one of the reasons why I'm just so thrilled to uh, be able to have this conversation with you, your whole book, Go For No, it it aligns so well with my number one mantra. And that is that you'll never get anything in life you don't ask for. So start asking. Now, you haven't always been this dynamic person that you are today. So take me way back. How did you actually get into sales from the from the day one? I was in, well, actually, I've been like in sales, I guess, from like working in a record store when I was 16. And um, what happened was I was in college and I wanted to be a crime scene investigator. And I was getting a Bachelor of Science degree in criminal justice I was graduating and simultaneously working for lens crafters at the time. And there were no jobs as a crime scene investigator. And this was actually before the TV show, like before it was kind of cool to be a crime scene investigator. And uh, there were internships. And I thought, you know, I really would love to be actually making some money. (laughs) Working for free was just not in my plan after college. So lens crafters was desperate for people who knew what they were doing. And they said, hey, we've got an assistant manager position for you. So I took that. And I ended up meeting my husband there. And he said to me, you know, we could launch our own company and talk about all of the sales and customer service and management philosophies that we have um, that we would like to share. There's, we could actually launch that business, quit our jobs, and people will hire us. And they'll actually pay more because we're not actually inside the company. And I thought, well, that sounds interesting. All right, fine, I'm in. And I quit and be- learned um, basically how to um, how to be a B2B salesperson at that stage. But the few years before that, um, I mean, I, I sold. I sold in all different kinds of capacities as I worked my way through college. And I love sales. It's so distressing to me that people... Um, 
you know, kind of look down on sales. And I, I, I've been at trade shows where people are like, yeah, I, I don't want to, I don't ever have to sell anything. Um, sales is a fantastic profession. We all sell. And the better and sooner you wrap your arms around that, the better off you'll be. You're so right. I, as soon as you were saying that, I, I hear that mantra all the time. I mean, I'm a sales coach is what I do on a daily basis. But I think about Daniel's Pink to Sell as Human. That's an incredible book. I think about John Barrows, who has been on the show, and he talked about sales is the best profession in the world when done right. You couldn't be more correct in what you're saying there, uh, Andrea. So Go For No, it's the title of the book. It, it kind of seems self-evident, but I don't think it is. For those who haven't read the book, what does it actually mean? Break it down for us. Right. So it's taking a negative reality, which is the no's are out there, rejection happens, and turning it really into kind of a positive. Um, we, we have a positive spin on failure and rejection. And our, our method basically is that salespeople need to go out and start intentionally increasing their failure rate. In other words, they need to go out and intentionally start hearing no more often because in our opinion, uh, a lot of salespeople avoid hearing the word no. And in doing so, they miss a lot of opportunities and they miss a lot of yeses. So it really is all about, I guess, in, I, I like to call them go for no moments. You know, they're the moments in in your conversations, whether they're transactional um, like for example, in a retail environment or whether they're just consulting conversations where you have an opportunity to get a yes and no or a no and you don't ask. And those go for no moments are so important. And if you can start increasing those and saying, you know, I'm just going to ask the question and be okay with getting a no, then the yeses really start happening. For some, I can see that this has a little bit of a negative connotation, right? Like, why would I ever want to hear no from a prospect? I don't want to put them in a negative mindset. What do you say to that? Yeah, I love that. Absolutely. It does sound very negative. And I've heard over the years, you know, there's no such thing as rejection. And when you tell somebody who's afraid of rejection, there's no such thing as rejection, it's <laughs> wildly demotivating. Like, okay, so I'm crazy and everything I'm perceiving is incorrect. No, let's take the reality, which is rejection is out there, but how how can you learn to take it and actually make it positive and value the no's you're getting? And then, of course, the next layer, Jim, is, okay, so we got to know. Now what? Now what do we do with that? Can we ask a follow-up question? Can we ask why? Can we, can we deal with that no? And then maybe down the line, of course, turn that into a yes. But you have to start with at least having the courage and the willingness and the understanding that you might hear a no. So let's start asking more often. So one of the things you said there, uh, Andrea, you know, uh, avoiding no misses the real opportunities in the sales cycles. Now, I have not been fortunate enough to see uh, you speak live, but I have watched some of the videos uh, of your keynotes. And there was a story that you guys told about the notion of a, uh, a men's wardrobe salesperson. And you know, it was like an $1,100 purchase, which you know, uh, that, that's quite a bit of money. And then, you know, the, the, the manager of the store said, hey, well, what did he say no to? And the answer was, well, he didn't say no to anything. I really want to kind of like lean into that, right? I've heard you guys say yes is the easy part of the sale, and it is. And so if, if we have customers that are just continuously saying yes, how do we start to push that no boundary? And, and how do we frame that part of the conversation? 
The story you're referring to, by the way, is kind of, I guess, what we call our signature go for no story. And that is where the salesperson um, learned from his mentor, uh, the district manager. He said, basically, you know, your fear of the word no is going to kill you. If you could just learn to get over that, I think you could be a great salesperson because this particular salesperson um, basically showed the customer everything that, you know, he was saying yes to and then ended the sale. He was basically, he said, he thought to himself, okay, Okay, I'm getting all these yeses. This is great. Don't want to push it. Let's run to the register. Let's ring it up and let's send this person on their way. So the second piece of that whole story is that the district manager said later, you know, do you know where that customer is right now? And the uh, the um, salesperson's like, no, where where is he? He's down at the other end of the mall, spending all of the money that you wouldn't let him spend here with us. Point being, um, there wow. was still a lot of opportunity and the salesperson wasn't taking advantage of it. So kind of to go back to your question, so how do we how do we kind of um, I don't like use use the word exploit, but how do we push past those boundaries? And really it all comes down to getting outside of your comfort zone and being okay with hearing more no's. And that really has to do with being okay with failure. And in our book, we kind of start off with making a case that failure is good. And, and we really interchange hearing no and getting rejected with failure. Like it's kind of a package deal. We like to say yes and no are, are just opposite sides of the same coin. Failure and success, opposite sides of the same coin. Because I think salespeople and business people in general want to be perfect, right? They they want to go out, they want to get a lot of yeses, no's are bad. And that's kind of how we've all been taught and trained is that yeses are great. Yeses pay the bills and, and do everything that we want, but no's are somehow shameful. Like you got to know, wow, you shouldn't be, don't hold your head up for that. That's something that you shouldn't be proud of. And actually kind of on, on the flip side, I mean, if I was a sales manager and, and I had a salesperson pick up the phone and make one call and get a yes, we would of course celebrate that. But if I also had a salesperson pick up the phone 10 times or 50 times and make 50 calls and get 50 no's, you might say, well, that's a disaster. And I would say, well, maybe, maybe not. But that salesperson was in a lot of action and engaged in a lot of activity. And so now the question is, what can we turn in? Can we turn those calls, <laughs> all those no's into some yeses, right? How many seeds were planted there? So I think from a sales manager standpoint, sometimes we're not looking at the activity, we're just looking at the results. So pushing through your comfort zone, valuing no, hearing more no's is really what it all comes down to. It's funny that you talk about that failure and success being two sides of the same coin. Um, you know, I, one of the reasons why I have this show today is I am I was coming off of the biggest professional failure I've ever had. I had raised over a million dollars in venture capital and completely failed. I ran the company into the ground, 100% loss for my investors as well as myself. And prior to that, I really hadn't experienced much failure in my career. And it took me to a really, really dark place. I didn't think that I was worthy uh, anymore. And I felt completely rejected. And it just, it was a big deal. It was a blow to my, my psyche and my ego. Uh, I knew I had to get back into what I was good at, and that is direct sales. And so I did that. And it's taken a while. But now that I see that, it's like, okay, I learned so much by that failure that I now am a much better business person as a result of it. But 
I think, Andrea, it can be very easy for someone who's just starting out in their career to hear both of us sitting here talking today saying, you need to hear no, you need to hear no, you need to, you need to, I can't even speak today, you need to hear no. Uh, and so they do all this activity and they start getting those no's. They start getting the rejections. How do you actually turn that no into the yes that you ultimately need? I, I get that no pr- provides the context, but how do you turn that into a yes? Well, first of all, I just love everything that you said, and you're absolutely, um, absolutely correct on that failure. And it's not that those failures aren't painful in the moment, but it is really about not shying away from them, right? Because you could have just as easily been wildly successful. You had to try. You you have to value those attempts, and you have to embrace uh, those failures when they happen. So, how do we turn that no into a yes? The very first thing that I um, tell people is to have a mindset of value valuing no, right? We all kind of fight against it so much. And again, this goes back to just our basic training as kids of, you know, success is good, um, or I should say young people. As kids, we're actually wildly tenacious and very persistent. And then that gets drummed out of us. And then it becomes, okay, don't fail. Don't look stupid. Don't do anything that will get you ostracized from the group. And so we develop this thing and um, we lose that tenacity that we had when we were learning to ride a bike, learning to climb a tree, tying our shoes, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So you have to mentally value the no. And the analogy I love is to think about getting a no and think of it as a gift. Now, if somebody handed you a gift, the very first question in your mind is, okay, what do I do with this? Where do I put it? Right? Where do I put it? Where do I set it down? And in figuring out what to do with it really leads you to the next step. And the next step is to start getting curious and to ask a question, kind of like the question you'd ask yourself, which is, what should I do with this gift? Um, And this is the moment where you must respond with something if you want to take the next step. And I think a lot of salespeople are kind of like, okay, thanks, bye. Or, okay, that was a no, let's just throw that out and let's go go after somebody else. If we have a qualified prospect, if this person has a need and want for what we have, we've got to stick with this. So it's what is the best next question you can ask when you get that no um, or statement you can make like, oh, wow, I'm surprised because you, based on our conversation, it seemed like this was the perfect time. Do you mind if I ask you why you said no? And if you can respond and respond positively without frustration or anger or you know anxiety of any kind, um, I think that response is so critical, both how you respond and what you say in that moment so that this person understands you're not freaking out because customers and prospects don't like to say no, right? They, don't, they, they kind of dread telling a salesperson no because they know what it's like. And so we want to make them comfortable with being able to be honest with us because the truth is the faster we can get to know, the faster we can deal with the next step, the faster we can move on to the next step. It's interesting that you said that, that um, buyers don't want to tell salespeople no. And, and I think you're right with that because most often when I talk to you know the hundreds of reps that I talked to over the course of a year, rarely do they actually hear the word no. And it's not because they didn't try. It's because the customer truly doesn't want to say it. So that no actually sounds like, let me think about it. Send me some more information so that I can talk to my managers and present other people. Call me back in six months. That's what the no sounds like. So let me ask you this, Andrea, is is how we frame uh, or does how we frame the question 
uh, to get that no? Does that matter? And, and how do we how do we do that? I think it does matter a little bit. But the first thing that we need to do is just ask, right? Just be curious, just say something. And, and um, the more you do that, the more you go for no, the more you up your quantity of no's, the better you get, right? Because you're getting experience at figuring out how to deal with those no's. So I think in that moment of just being as authentic as you can and being curious, and then figuring out how to manage that and how to take the next step. Sometimes it is just a timing issue. When somebody gets a no, oftentimes it's kind of shocking, like too. They kind of freeze up and they go, okay, thanks, right? And and they're they're gone. They don't, it's like they've been rejected. They don't want to push now. I mean, now they've really been rejected. So now, but if we can just kind of relax and stay positive and stay curious and say, well, okay, no problem. Um a lot of times, you know, the timing is bad. And I I think sometimes things change. So would you mind if I checked back with you in six months? Again, go for no. Now you have the opportunity to get another no. And if we're valuing no, and that's why, Jim, this is this is a strategy, but the mindset behind it is so important. So if you're valuing it and the person says in that moment, um, nope, don't don't check back with me in six months. I really am happy and I'm never changing suppliers. I'm going to die with the supplier I have. Then you can say, all right, great. And now let's value that no and say, look at all the time we just saved. Look at the deal that we won't spend chasing for the next two years, playing phone tag, pretending like you're checking back in to see, yeah, let me think about it or what have you. It's, hey, you got a good no. It, it's funny, I, Andrea, I tell all the reps that I work with, you have not even started the sales cycle until you've heard no for the first time. And for me, that no is just, it's all around gaining the context, which is what you're alluding to there. It's just like, when you hear no, no doesn't mean, no, I don't want this. No could absolutely just mean, hey, I don't understand. Help, help me better understand so that I can get to where I, I need to go. And again, if you have the right conversation with them, I, I did an exercise. Um, I want to talk about one of the exercises you do, but I've done an exercise before where I will do an all, an all day or maybe a half a day call blitz um, to clean up our pipelines. And so I'll go in with the team and say, okay, you guys have 410 open opportunities, you know, sales team of 10, maybe whoever can get the most actual no's, meaning take me out of your pipeline and the next four hours gets whatever, a $50 uh, you know, gift certificate or, or, or something along those lines. And it's amazing what happens because they go out there and they are truly just trying to get things out of their pipeline. They've been stalled. And if just by doing that, all of a sudden they actually get to the real reason why they were stalled. And now all of a sudden they're back into active pipeline or active engagements and opportunities. And some of the reps are just like, their mind is blown by this. I'm like, you could have done this from the beginning, but you were afraid to. So I, I want to go to one of your challenges there. You have the 30-day go for no challenge. I'm not going to lie to you. I have seen this on Facebook. I have taken this and I have implemented it with many of, of the, the early reps that I work with. But tell people what that is, that 30-day go for no challenge. Part of go for no is to take the stress and pressure that salespeople put on themselves in order to get yes. And just like you were saying with your sales team there, uh, go out and see how many no's you can get. And in that 30 day challenge, it's not about at this point, when you do the 30 day challenge, it's not about, all right, let's, let's start crafting the perfect email or the perfect presentation. Let me spend the next month crafting the perfect sales presentation that I'm going to deliver over and over. No, that is not, not the time. It's just about getting as many no's in your sales process as you possibly can, whether you are 
setting appointments and then sitting down with somebody and then trying to close them, right? There's all those go for no moments that you have, all these opportunities that you have to get no's all day long. Um, and I can start listing off the rest of them, but so you, you know what they are. It's asking for referrals. It's following up with people who said no to you before that you just kind of wrote off and said, all right, uh, if they're qualified, we should be going back to those people. And so the challenge is just really to get people focused on activity and celebrating the no's, not just celebrating the yeses. Do you ever take that into, I guess, out of the business world and in, into their personal life? Oh, absolutely. I tell people just start practicing in everyday life. If you're checking into a hotel, why don't you ask for an upgrade to a suite? right? Why don't you ask for a better table in a restaurant? Why don't just start trying it and seeing what happens and practicing the skill of asking and seeing that you survived. And when, if you got to know, and when you see you've survived, that's when you get great confidence. That's how your confidence builds. One of the things for, for the reps that we work with oftentimes, you know, in their, in their daily professional life, to them, for some reason, the stakes are too high. They, they, they can't start practicing this by, you know, trying to get notice from prospects. So I tell them, okay, that's fine. When you go to lunch today, ask for a discount. When you go to Starbucks, ask if they'll give you the coffee for free. When you go to Best Buy, you're going to buy a TV anyway, ask them for a discount. You know, just ask for those things. And what, what I have found, and that's why it goes back to, to my mantra, my number one mantra is you will never get anything in life you don't ask for. So start asking. And I will tell you like what really drove that home for me, Andrea, was my wife. You know, we, we've done pretty well for ourselves. We, we don't, we don't need a lot of stuff. And yet we'll go out to a restaurant a nice restaurant, and my wife will ask for something for free. And it just makes me so uncomfortable. And then they give it to her. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. What, what on earth just happened? Like, we don't need this. And she's like, but I, but I asked. And if they said no, okay, I didn't lose anything. But if I if they say yes, I get a bottle of wine or I get this. Right? And it just, it blew my mind. And so it truly just changed everything that I do. And so some of the things you just talked about, right? When I go to uh, Vegas, I don't, I don't know if you knew this, but like, there's a thing called the $20 sandwich. Have you ever heard of, you, no. heard of this? So this is a real thing. And so it's all about asking for upgrades, but it's a $20 sandwich. When you go to Vegas and you check in at any of the hotel casinos, you, you place a $20 bill folded up between your credit card and your ID. And when you hand it to the person checking you in, you just simply ask, hey, are there any complimentary upgrade, upgrades available? And they will take the $20, put it in their, you know, their left breast pocket of their shirt, and they'll be like, well, let me check, Mr. Brown. Oh, lo and behold, yeah, we do have an upgrade available. And like, I, I'm telling you, I go to Vegas way too much. And this has never not worked. I love it. <laughs> I love it. That's, yes, I've always wondered how that exactly was done. So thank you. A big part of Go For No and just your general philosophy in life is also around storytelling. Give me some ideas, Andrea, how we can use storytelling and and uh, to improve our own sales cycles. Yeah, well, I'm I am a big fan of storytelling, Jim. And Go for No is a, a fable, and it's got actually kind of a weird supernatural twist to it as well. Because my husband and I, in addition to writing um, nonfiction books, we uh, write fiction and have written a 10 book fictional ghost series. And so um, I love the idea of incorporating storytelling um, in any aspect of your sales and marketing. And I think that with with whether you are writing an email to somebody and you can tell third party stories that 
bring people into a story, even if it's short, they remember it, people love it. And the more descriptive you can make it, the more kind of dramatic and be willing to have some fun with it and use create some drama. Um, the more that you can do that, the better. So what can you do as a salesperson? What story can you tell about a customer or your own story? Anything to draw people in um, is, is I, I think, uh, the new future of sa- of selling. I couldn't couldn't agree with you more there. I think, you know, I was talking to Doug Landis. Uh, he was on the podcast a couple of months ago here. And he used the notion of, of people forget data. They forget all the figures and statistics that you throw out to them because they're so specific and, and uh, I guess, finite that they're just like, oh, okay, whatever. But as soon as, as you said, you start giving some ideas around a story and the more um, the visual you can make it, people remember all that stuff because we want, we're, we're built to remember those stories. I absolutely love that. Andrea, I'm going to take a quick break so that I can say thank you to my sponsors. When we come back, it's going to be time for the money round. So you don't go away. And sales tuners, you don't go away either. We'll be right back. Sales tuners, I want to tell you about Costello, a new product I've been exploring for discovery calls. One of the things I hear most from VPs of sales is their frustration with the lack of consistency and transparency from their reps in the discovery process. If that's you, you need to check out Costello. Costello guides reps to ask the right questions, provides them with dynamic suggestions, automatically updates Salesforce, and even makes it easy to form the habits that ultimately close more deals. For a demo, head to andcostello.com. That's A-N-D-C-O-S-T-E-L-L-O.com. We're back and it's time for the money round. Andrea, are you ready for the money round? I am. I'm so excited. Here we go. What's the one thing that has contributed most to your transformation from normal to exceptional? Definitely just a willingness to take action and a willingness to fail. That has been huge. And we have had some spectacular failures, but I just think trying stuff without worrying about knowing the plan 10 years down the line has been everything. If you were to start over today in sales, what would you tell yourself to spend the next 30 days doing? This is the one thing that somehow, literally knowing absolutely nothing about what I was doing when I quit my corporate job and launched our training company, is identifying a target market. Being very clear on a target market is everything. And it was how we were able to build our company so quickly and successfully, even though it was scary. Um, But I think salespeople in general have to be so clear on their target market and who they're going after. So that's exactly what I would do. I, I would spend 30 days absolutely analyzing my target market, who influences them, where they hang out, um, and uh, what they listen to and what they read. And I would get very clear on them so that that when I finally went to sell to them, identifying them, finding them, and knowing that they were qualified was already taken care of. Two-part question for you here. Which phrase describes you best and why? I love to win or I hate to lose. I love to win. Winning is so much fun. And honestly, I don't mind losing. I don't mind losing because I think to have a prosperity mindset, sometimes you're going to lose. And if you lost fair and square to somebody else because they were better, so be it. That's, that's, that's okay. That's, that is the world. What's a book that you've read multiple times or always find yourself recommending to others? Definitely The Four Agreements. 
Sales Tuners, if you'd like to check out Andrea's recommendation of the four agreements for free, head on over to salestuners.com slash book. And there you can sign up for a free 30-day trial of Audible and browse their over 150,000 titles. Again, that's salestuners.com slash book for the four agreements. Andrea, what is currently at the top of your bucket list? To have, (laughs) this is big, is to have our fictional ghost series turned into a TV series. Um, So that is at the top of the bucket list and absolutely is out of most of my control. So the second thing is Paris in March, and that is probably more likely to happen. What's the biggest piece of advice you have for all the sales tuners out there grinding today? My biggest piece of advice is to have fun because I believe that if you can have fun with your sales career and your sales career, I think it comes across in everything that you do. I think you sell with less pressure and stress. I think that's evident to customers and prospects. I think it's hard when you're not having fun to want to be curious. And curiosity to me, and this goes back to us asking questions and being curious about a no um, and storytelling is, I mean, it's attractive. That's who people want to do business with these days. So if you can have fun and that seems like, oh, that has nothing to do with business. No, it's everything to do with business because people want to be around people who are having fun, who enjoy what they do, who aren't just going through the motions. So have fun and and a lot of other stuff will take care of itself. If you want to get in touch with Andrea, she has literally branded herself with Go For No on all the platforms from LinkedIn to Twitter, Facebook. Uh, I'm not sure if she has an Instagram or not, but uh, you can also check out her book also under the title Go For No on Amazon. Let's get to my top takeaways. Number one, increase your failure rate. If you're the person being rejected or constantly being told no, it may be hard to hear that. You need to increase the amount of times you should actually hear it. But the real question for you is, what opportunities are you leaving on the table simply by not asking the question? What deals could you have kept alive if you had just asked the question? What other products could you have bundled in the sale if you had just asked the question? What referrals could you have got if you had just asked the question? Number two, stay curious. After you've heard the word no, what is the next best question you can ask? If you can start to plan your conversation to elicit no responses, you can then also start to plan for strategic follow-up questions. Think about what is actually being said when you hear no. What additional context can you gain by building upon their response? Number three, practice in everyday life. I mentioned in the conversation, my number one mantra is that you'll never get anything in life you don't ask for. So start asking. That applies not only to sales, but everyday things like shopping, dining, travel accommodations, personal relationships, and even dating. If you ask and get a no, you haven't really lost anything because you never had it to begin with. But if you ask and get a yes, you gained 100% of whatever the ask was. To me, this is really a no-lose situation. That's it. Those are my takeaways, but I'd love to hear yours. Please tweet at me at SalesTuners or shoot me an email, jim at SalesTuners.com. I reply to every message that I get. All right. I hope to see you next week. Until then, I'm Jim Brown. Let's make it rain. Thank you for listening to Sales Tuners. Stay up to date at www.salestuners.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. And they stay there.